Welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and a TV show that needs to have a fighting game with its cast of characters is Succession. It's turbo, ultra, arcade, duo, lingo, a fight for daddy, DX. That would be perfect. Just think about Cousin Greg has such a long reach. Wouldn't that be good? I'd like that. Um, hi, I'm Janet Garcia, and a TV show that needs to have a fighting game is How I Met Your Mother, because it would be weird. You know, it's easy to just pick crazy powers. Let's try to think deep cuts, right? Trivia level references in here. I'm a big sitcom fan. Let's just put all, uh, in fact, make it like Smash Melee. Put all the sitcoms in there. You know, you got Frasier, you got How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> and you add more sitcoms as you go. The licensing is going to be complicated, but it's fine. We'll, we'll work through it. Every single weird neighbor is here. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Amanda Silberling, and I think that The Good Place should have a fighting game because I just feel like being a Janet main sounds awesome. Like, what can't you do? Mm. There are some really strong Power Stone vibes to that. Like, all of a sudden, like, you're converting from your regular character into, like, a very terrifying monster version. Power Stone was a, was a fighting game on the, on the Dreamcast that I was very obsessed with when I was eight. Nice. So very much like the conversion. It's kind of like Sheik in Smash, where you turn from Janet into Disco Janet. I like, you know, you get like some amount of power-ups and you can change from human form to demon form. Oh, yeah, of course. Or maybe it's like when you make Pikachu wear a party hat and you just have different outfits. <laughs> I think every video game needs more outfits. That's my first hot take to share here. I agree. I, I sorry, I got stuck thinking about Kramer as like a <laughs> an assist trophy just busting out of somewhere. Janet, you, you've gotten that stuck in my head. There with the um, what is it that the chicken place like beam coming through or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I am so happy to have you both for the second episode of Games and Feelings. I feel like now that I have two people who spend a lot of time writing about games and tech, that I'm like, no, we're a legitimate podcast that gives good advice about games. And so I'm very happy to have both of you. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here too. Well, before we start helping people with their questions, you need to help me with the questions that I have. So we're going to go to not frequently asked questions. You can't find this in the Prima Guide. I need to ask you because you're right in front of me. I'm going to start with you, Janet. You're a full-time games person. You, you write, but you also do streams, and you do the MinMax podcast and all of the content associated with that. You have tons of game stuff behind you, and it sounds like you still love games. When it's your full-time job, how do you still like it? Um, that's a great question. I think you end up liking it on a different level and in a different way. For me, I honestly got into this field because I wanted to kind of rekindle my love of gaming. I've been playing games since I was five years old, but you know, I've kind of had ebbs and flows throughout my life, like any hobbyist would with any hobby. Uh, and for me, I sort of fell off like during like the Wii era because I wasn't interested in the motion controls. Sure. A lot of things were like felt very first person shootery and I didn't really like first person and I didn't like shooters. So I kind of stepped back for a little while um, and I got back into it because I love writing. And I'm like, what if I wrote about games? That could be like a fun, cool new way to form a relationship with games and I ended up loving that. And I think that sort of has rekindled uh, my love of games or sort of had me revisit it. It just kind of gives me another angle 
angle and another way to love the games that I play. Like, and I've always, you know, I think all of us grow up kind of talking with friends or family. Like for me, my brother was a big influence on like, I could talk to him about games. Honestly, talking about games and writing about games is more fun to me than even playing them. And that's more of a compliment to how fun it is to do the conversation and the criticism uh, more so than an indictment on like how fun the games are. Like, the games are fun on their own, but like that rush of like, you know, pre-release, you have like a, a coworker that maybe like is also playing the game and you can text them and you really are so excited to talk about it and get to hear, you know, what the public thinks. And that's just such a rush. So yeah, it definitely changes your relationship with games. But I think that's why I still love it. Like the idea of being able to, I think also highlight games that maybe don't get as talked about, like one of my favorite things ever is to just like the other day someone on Twitter hit me up and they're like, hey, I, I'm looking for like puzzle games on the Switch. Like, what do you got? And I'm like, oh, like, let me look at like these really off the beaten path, random sale things I impulsively bought that worked out like four of them did, eight of them didn't. And just having that process and getting to share that with people. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many things to still love about games uh, so that for me, it's it hasn't waned at all. It's just kind of changed. What is harder trying to get like a family member or friend to play a game? you recommend or like arguing a game that's supposed to be on an end of the year list with your colleagues? Um, definitely arguing a game because I don't <laughs> frankly care too much about, you know, if people take my recommendations or not. A lot of times, too, I'm very wary of it kind of sucks when you recommend something to someone and it doesn't work out, even if it's like a game that you think is great. I think everyone's looking, we're all looking for games to like and love and you always want to enjoy what you play. So if someone doesn't want to play like What Remains of Edith Finch because they don't really like want to do a walking sim, that's fine. I probably wouldn't even recommend that if you don't, you know, like that genre. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely the end of the year list just because um, even that, I'm not that married to, but like there are certain games that you really want to feel like, you know, you're representing well or really wanting to like, have those lists maybe represent you as a group or you as a person. Um, definitely something I care more about than, you know, what everyone else is playing for fun. Absolutely. Amanda, I have two questions for you. I have one very thorny one and one very easy one. Would you like the easy one or the hard one first? Let's go for the hard one first. Let's get right in there. All right. The hard one. Why are game companies so horny for NFTs? I don't get it. How does it fit? How do how does blockchain fit with game? That doesn't make any <sighs> sense. So you sent me an article about how the head of Nintendo, I believe. Yes. R Reggie fils former uh, head of Nintendo America, wants to like monetize your Animal Crossing and use that for the blockchain. I, ridiculous. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that because I guess from his perspective, basically what's happening is you've built this kick-ass island. It has a kick-ass theme. Who knows? And then you want to share it with people and you want them to pay you to have access to your island. And then congrats, you can build it. And it's like how on eBay you can buy shiny Pokemon from people, but also you have no way of knowing if you're being scammed or not. And I guess that rich executives of companies think that people want to spend obscene amounts of money on things like this. But I don't think people do and I also don't think that necessarily needs to happen on the blockchain. Like, one of the reasons why people think that NFTs and video games would be interesting because it's like, let's say that in one game you get, like, super cool fancy sword and you want to have super cool fancy sword in another game, then you could bring it with you. But you do have to have compatibility on both sides of the games for one but you can already do things like this on, like, think about Pokemon Home. It's like, I have, like, a shiny from Pokemon Go in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Like, I think there's ways to do this that don't rely on blockchain technology. And 
I'm very skeptical of getting ordinary people into using blockchain technology because I think that a lot of the time people don't totally understand the risks associated. Mm-hmm. One big news item from the past couple months was this game Axie Infinity got hacked and they lost about $650 million of crypto, which they did pay back to the users. It was like a, a play to earn game where as you play you obtain crypto but they still like lost people money and they did get reimbursed in part because they raised another round of venture funding to help them pay for it It doesn't make any sense (sighs) i just think there's a lot of situations in which people want to use blockchain technology for things that don't need to have that kind of technology. And it is a kind of technology that some people think is very secure, but evidently it is getting hacked all the time. Right. Absolutely. All right. Here's the easy question because you explained blockchain to me. Who, uh, who's your favorite Pokemon? Oh, Ralts. <laughs> Great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ralts is my my internet identity, which is why you call me Ralts because... I have the same first name as your partner in life, love, and podcasting. That's true. There are too many Amandas, so you are Ralts. Janet, same question. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, Shroomish. I had him for uh, Alpha Sapphire, which was kind of like my re-entry point into the franchise. And I just think Shroomish, great little design, little mushroom guy. He's got some good abilities, like I think Spore's one of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, Shroom- I love Shroomish. I didn't have uh, Shroomish Revolve for the longest, too. I even tried to like battle like the legendary with Shroomish and of course Shroomish got like one hit KO'd and stuff and I was like all right you're not gonna make it to that final picture with all the other Pokemon because I need to beat this game (laughs) yeah Shroomish is great I respect that shout out to the final picture yeah it's rough it's like oh do I want to do I want to get this done or do I want like a nice photo op and usually I just want to get this done you know I toss in like this the end game stuff they give you to make you super OP I'm like oh stay on the end you know I'll crop it out what I didn't post (laughs) just edit you it's like no I had seven Pokemon Shroomish was just was hovering above (laughs) my trainer's head that's a hack Mm -hmm. i found i use my game genie uh that's perfect thank you so much my favorite pokemon is mamoswine because you can bust on through with mamoswine bust on through with mamoswine these are some you guys have some deep cuts for the uh favorite pokemon that's true i was thinking about snorlax a lot and i feel like i love snorlax but it's like my fourth favorite because like it was the first Pokemon to get in the way of you while playing the game, which like is now like a thing, right? Like, you know, all Pokemon games are a formula now. And now it's like Pokemon is in way you need to do things. But I met like when I was playing Red for the first time, I was like, what is this giant thing in front of me? That's incredible. What? I need a flute? What does that even mean? And I feel like that's, it might be like for nostalgia's sake about the gameplay, but like there's so many Pokemon out there, you can find the one that you love the most. And I love the one with ice tusks. You know what I mean? I just really love like Pokemon that are very powerful that you find in the wild in like the second route of the game that have really, really bad stats until you evolve them. So, like, in Generation 1, I'm an Abra gal through and through. Sure. Um, Ralts kind of sucks until it learns confusion. But also, Ralts is the feelings Pokemon, and I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> That's fair. I, I The connection to the actual, like, name of the Pokemon is always so, so funny, and I appreciate you doing that extra level of uh, of research for that. But we, ha- oh, yeah. we have a lot of questions that people need advice on. Uh, are you two ready to jump in? Let's do it. Yes. Hell yes. Okay. Let's talk about Wordle. Are we both of you playing Wordle? Yeah. 
Religiously. So this, this is actually perfect. Of course, you can always send in questions. We have a little link in the episode description that you should check. Uh, you can say your name or you can say like a fun thing that people do for advice questions. But if you say your regular name or you're anonymous, then I take it upon me to come up with <laughs> your name. So this is from V-E-X-E-D. I'm a little bummed about what happened to Wordle. It was this beautiful thing, free on the internet, guy made it for his wife, and then once the New York Times bought it, I was way more concerned about how it changed and how the New York Times was doing stuff to it than actually playing it. I know folks are still enjoying it, and I don't resent them, obviously, but I can't have any fun without thinking about the capitalism of games and the fact that the New York Times gave this guy six figures to have his game to build up their crossword. Help me enjoy things again, please. I got some bad news for you. That's all, that's the thing behind all the games. And I guess that is kind of off-putting in its own way. Like, I had this realization the other day where I was, like, on TikTok. And I love that platform as a consumer. I also post, but, like, I like just scrolling. And then I, you know, started sorting all the things on these folders, all these different advice bits. Music, you know, movies, makeup to do, you know, life hacks of buy this thing on Amazon and then, you know, it'll heal you or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, it'll sort all my knives. And then I realized <laughs> all the things I'd saved were just different versions of buying stuff. You know, buying experiences, buying, like, things to watch, buying art. And, like, that's not all inherently necessarily bad but I was like oh wow that's all about me buying stuff and even when I make my work which I feel like is creative in itself and it's kind of like pumping up art it's like about people also buying stuff or I'm telling you what I thought of the thing that I bought even if I got it for free for work you know mm -hmm. um, so I think you know lightly put it aside like there's not really an escape either way I think the world story ultimately it was a guy that made something just for fun and he made some money off of it and, and people got to enjoy it and I think that in itself is good in a sense. Um, and it's still free, you know, it's run through the New York Times, but like it doesn't change much of the game. I know at first they had all those like really crazy words where they're like, New York Times doesn't know what it's doing. The wordles for us normies down here, you know, <laughs> give, give me like boats. Like I can't be doing like abacus or whatever. It's not even the right amount of letters, but yeah, like take your time away and, you know, come back or don't. There's a lot of different word games to play out there. So uh, my professional advice is when things are bad, just think, hey, at least it's not worse, because I interviewed Josh Wardle, the creator of Wordle, and this was in the pre-New York Times days. And since I write for TechCrunch, a publication that um, is very venture capital focused at times, we did ask him like, hey, you must be getting tons of like phone calls and emails from venture capitalists who are like, hey, dude, we want to give you a lot of money and make Wordle bad or something. And he was like, yeah, I'm getting a lot of calls, but I haven't really returned them. Like, I don't know, like, I'll probably check it out. And he did mention in that interview that Wordle was very inspired by the New York Times game section and how it's just like, you play it once, you're done. It's a fun little thing. But yeah, I mean, imagine an alternate universe where like an Andreessen Horowitz bought Wordle. Oh, God. We don't want that. <laughs> what if Wordle became like every word becomes an NFT? And then if you solved the Wordle, you get like a participation NFT and then you can sell them later. That, that would be, I mean, be grateful we're not there. That's my advice is just think about how it could be worse. That's how I know you're a tech reporter because you've stared into like the dark maw of what tech could be if someone was unleashed. And you're like, honestly, the fact that it worked out is okay. My other Wordle hot take is I think that 
if you have a first word that you use every day, you're doing it wrong. Like, have fun. <laughs> use agree. farts. Like, it's not that serious. It's a, it's a word guessing game. Nobody cares if you got it in two or three or four or five. People do care if you got it in six or not at all, because then you just fucked up. But uh, just play the game. It's fun. Who cares? Farts. Maybe it's something about Wordle specifically, because I'm having a similar problem to this question asker, that because it's free and then it's like money exchanged hands and then it's owned by a larger media company and now it's still free, but I feel like it's going to go away. The thing I'm worried about is that it becomes like Uber, how like it was cheap before and now that we're hooked, now they can charge like six times as much. And like the New York Times, especially because it's attached to their game vertical, and that now it's going to be put behind a paywall ASAP once people, the two-year anniversary of Wordle has come by. Like, is it the fact that it's in a company's hands is kind of like weirding me out and I can't enjoy it anymore. I do think that um, our patron saint, Josh Wardle, did say that it was important to him that if he sold the game, that it wouldn't be put behind a paywall. But at the same time, it's like, do we trust the New York Times? I mean, we trust their reporting because they are fact-checked and blah, blah, blah. But do we trust them as a business? Like, they're already putting ads on Wordle for Spelling Bee, which is another one of the game. Thankfully, Spelling Bee isn't super, like, the ads aren't very egregious. Like, you're not, like, watching a video and then clicking through. But I think we just got to enjoy Wordle while we can. (laughs) Janet, on the, like, actual video game side, do you ever struggle against like knowing that these companies are kind of like massive entities and does that ever spoil your fun especially for you know nintendo that makes its entire brand around being like magical and perfect and they're having just as many worker problems as the rest of the industry yeah um not really i mean maybe that sounds dark in itself but all of them are have problems like every job has its problems not that that means we shouldn't be like supporting workers and trying to make those workplaces better places to work but you know i'm very like pro unionization and all that but at the end of the day like if it's from a studio like there's probably some drama in that studio again that doesn't mean that we should ignore it but i think there is no you know the classic there's no ethical consumption under capitalism thing like it's that but you know you pick and choose as well i think if there was ever a game where i wasn't comfortable i wouldn't play it and there are games where i'm like you know what like that's probably why I'm not hitting up that next Harry Potter game. I'm like, I just don't want to have oh, to add sure. the extra disclaimers on me playing it. Like, I just don't think it's worth it. It's one game. There's a million big deal games. I'm guessing it's probably not going to transcend the world. And even if there is, there's so many debatable, great games of all time. Like, I don't mind making that trade off. But that's not to say that that means, oh, like, I've never played a game that's made by anybody that has horrible ideologies or bad business practices. Um, But you pick and choose what you're comfortable with. And you try to, I think, acknowledge um, things as they go and put things in context. For the most part, it usually doesn't end up impeding my enjoyment, but it definitely can. It's just fairly uncommon. That's fair. I think that when there's something very obvious, you can be like, you know what, I'm not going to do that. The Harry Potter thing, especially J.K. Rowling, plus the fact that it's pretty much Jewish blood liable, the game, 100%. (laughs) And especially uh, the fact that Overwatch 2 is coming out soon, and you're making your choices about whether or not you want to engage with, uh, with Blizzard on that level. I think that's totally fair. It's easy to throw around. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism, but I think like more and more as the world becomes like a cyberpunk I think that's fair. And then you got to pick your battles. You can't just be a perfect person all the time. But, you know, if it's something that like gets to you and you want to take a stand on about how I feel about Wordle, I can't 
enjoy it, then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to leave it. And hopefully you, I'll play Hurdle or Octawordle or, or Mapple. There's so many spinoffs. Do you have a favorite spinoff? I don't play any of them. I was going to ask you two, oh, what's really? your favorite spinoff? Please. I've started playing Hurdle. What, so what is, do they, what do they say on Hurdle? Like, what are you hearing? It's like the first second of a song. And then sometimes it's Wonderwall and you're like, I know that. And then sometimes it's an obscure Red Hot Chili Pepper song. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh, that's so cool. What are there any other good spinoffs? I love global, like globe L E. You have a globe and you guess a country, and then it is a darker shade of red, depending on how close you are to the country mm. that it is. And I've actually learned a lot about geography. Cause it's like you look at a map and there's no borders of like where the countries are, and you're just like, hmm. What's a country in Northern Africa? I guess I'll guess Morocco. And like, I know where countries are that I used to not know where they are. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm learning and having fun. I love learning and having fun. You're like a child in Miss Frizzle's <laughs> class. I love learning and I love it when I go inside of one of my classmates and look at his lungs. Oh yeah, I did that all the time in school. <laughs> That's good. I might actually pick up one of those. Like, I assumed it was really just like only word games and it was repeated over and over again. But they they really do seem to be pretty far away from the formula. So uh, honestly, you're, you're enriching my life and I can stop feeling bad about uh, not playing the fun word game everyone loves. <laughs> um, all right. I have another question about video games here. This is from Cozy on the Coast. I love cozy video games. Spiritfarer, Animal Crossing, and Stardew Valley are my happy place. What are some cozy games I should try, and what exactly makes a game cozy? I want to start with that second question first. What makes a game cozy? I also want to maybe if we can extend this outside of video games. I wonder if there are also like party games or tabletop RPGs or other types of games that you would also classify as cozy. I think a cozy game is a game that you can play and kind of half be paying attention. Like, I read, like, over 100 books in 2020, humble brag, but it was just because I logged, like, 400 hours on Animal Crossing, and all the time I was listening to audiobooks while playing Animal Crossing, and thus I was just, like, reading, like, a book a day for a while. Also, uh, you know, other stuff was going on in 2020, but um, I don't know. Even a game like Hades, where I feel like you wouldn't classify it as cozy because you're killing stuff and you're trying to kill your dad. It's it's kind of dark at some points. I, I consider that a cozy game because you can listen to podcasts while playing it, and also because, I mean, Meg's in it. It's a good point. It's not bad. Um, for me, it's somewhat similar. I, I think I kind of lightly differentiate like uh, what you're describing, Amanda, of like podcast games, like games that you can zone out to. And then for me, cozy, um, I guess the distinguishing factor is like a layer of like cuteness or uh, lighthearted escapism through maybe the art style or through the mechanics. Um, but I do think that cozy games can deal with like heavier stuff. So like Amanda, to your point with Hades, like I think that's an interesting one to think of because yeah, it has like maybe darker content, but it's also not like super brooding necessarily. You know, I think there's a lot of playfulness in like the art style. And also I think the way it lets you interact with that world in terms of like the God mode and stuff. Um, For me, some cozy games I recommend, I guess like Walking Sims, I put those in there. I'm thinking stuff like Chicory or Colorful Tale. Oh, for like sure. it's cute. You can paint. Like I, th I think games that 
don't feel like they are pushing back on you too heavily. And I think I mean, that's why Hades is such a cool one to bring up because it can push back. But if you don't want it to push back that hard, it doesn't have to. Um, so Chicory is like that. I think um, Signs of Sojourner is a bit of a cozy game. You're sort of like, again, that has some dark content of like your mom just passed away. And that's kind of what kicks off the story. But you're like traveling through these different um, towns and like shopping for wares and sort of like learning about the world. Uh, White Ocean Big Jacket is a game I totally adore. It's like a coming of age game where you're like camping and you're having like all these candid and somewhat like awkward conversations about you're asking like your older aunt about like sex and all these like heavier topics. And she's (laughs) like, oh, you're like 14. So I don't know, like your mom's not here, but let me give this a try. And it's, I don't know, very like quaint and, and nice in that sense. There's um, a random one that I played on itch.io. It's like Yev Oma or something. I think it's in German for the title or something. And it's literally just a really short game where you're walking with your grandmother. You're like a little kid walking with your grandma and you're picking up like acorns on the way and you're she's just talking to you. And that's the whole game. So a, a short hike too, like uh, for cozy games. Again, walking around, exploring. I guess something that feels, you know, kind and, and gentle and somewhat peaceful. If there's some level of tranquility. I think it's a cozy game. Janet, you really buried the lead on Lev Oma, L-I-E-V-E-O-M-A. You are walking around with your grandma, but it is the most beautiful fall around you as you are walking through. I'm just looking at the screenshots on its Mm -hmm. itch page. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's like Firewatch scale, like they made a demake of Firewatch or something. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Here's here's a paragraph. My grandmother is probably the most important person ever to me as she provided me with the stability and care a child needed growing up. We all have or have people helping us become a responsible and caring person. And the short narrative game is an ode to these people. Yeah, it's just a nice thought. That's absolutely incredible. And it's $3 and you can play it on Linux. What else do you need? That's all you need. I feel cozy just hearing about the game. (laughs) I do. That's very interesting about what both of you said, though, about like there being a heavy thing kind of in the middle of these games. When I think about like cozy shows as well, I think about Over the Garden Wall, which is s- creepy and mm, spooky and has a, a very dark nugget in the middle. But like the, the it's the mode, it's the thing we're doing is, is wonderful. Uh, Misha, our editor, watches it every single fall, and because it means that much to them to to continually enjoy it. And I feel that way about some other shows, even if it has like a dark nugget in the center. So it's kind of funny. It's like a gobstopper. Like there's there's darkness in the center and then layers and layers of beauty around it. Um, That's what feels cozy to me. Not to get too heavy on the games podcast, but I think that's because life is like that where there's heavy things. But Mm -hmm. like it's just kind of in the middle of other good things. And but also sometimes you're just walking with your grandma and there's a banjo. You don't know what the conversation's going to be. Amanda, you get plus one to Constitution because you said the thing that they say on every single advice podcast, which is life is like that. <laughs> you got oh, the, no. You uncovered a secret. Oh, no. You got a secret. You got a, a secret XP up. Nice. Oh, man. I mean, uh, something, something, the friends you made along the way. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> I want to flip this on its head a little bit because I think that as you two explored video games, I wonder if being cozy is different for like party games or for tabletop RPGs. For that, cozy means easy and I can have fun with my friends. 
and also not exploring dark feelings because you can very easily do that in tabletop RPGs. So you're choosing not to. So uh, one is a game that I learned from my friends and we play all the time. It's called Quix, Q-W-I-X-X. It's like a dice game from GameRight and they make a lot of other different types of games. It's like this game that they found like in Eastern Europe and they brought back and kind of like shined up a little bit to to sell at like friendly game stores. It's really fun. It's very quick and you can play with anyone. You like learn the rules and like, and why? Watching it once, you pick up the rules like that. So having like a game you can lean on. I would also say Uno is probably a cozy game. Or like um, I used to play the game Casino. There's a card game with Casino with my grandma. And like it's just a game you know that's easy to pick up that you can always play with people that you want to have around you um, at all times. In terms of tabletop RPGs, so many of them have so many rules. So anytime you can find a good one pager is always perfect. I especially want to shout out Grant Howitt, who is the master of one-page RPGs, especially as they go around on Twitter. Uh, I know everyone knows Honey Heist, but I really want to shout out Goat Crashers, which is you play a goat crashing a fancy party, and all you have to do is like party on and role-play that while like really intense stuff is happening at the same time. Really easy to pick up. You make the characters at the table, and like anyone knows how to play. Like anyone who who wants to like get into Dungeons and Dragons or that kind of like role-playing um, should look at Goat Crashers crashers it's free on uh on grant howitt's um itch page and uh the link will be in the episode description speaking of like wanting an easy one pager as a cozy game i have to give the unsolicited advice on this advice podcast board game cafe great place for like second third fourth date not a good place for a first date. I did go on a first date at a board game cafe and it was so stressful because it's like you're trying to make conversation with somebody that you're meeting for the first time, but you're also like trying to understand the rules of this obscure indie game. And then you're also trying to be like competitive in like a fun way, but not in an off-putting way. And like it's a lot of mental gymnastics, but did learn to play a card game called Coup where the goal is to overthrow the government. And I think it is a good litmus test of who you're dating to be like, do you think the idea of overthrowing the government is fun? Yes or no? I have a real big question about board game cafes. And let's throw all of the COVID restrictions out the door. I know that we're never going to be able to do that because COVID is going to be around forever. But imagine that, that wasn't the, that's not the thing that we're considering. Is it better in a board game cafe to have a person who teaches you games or don't have a person who teaches you games? Because I'm wondering if that person is more invasive than anything else, especially if you're on a date. Like, I can only, like, imagine someone is third wheeling your date because they have to teach you how to play Hokkaido for the first time. Or you have to play, like, Betrayal on the House of the Hill and they have to tell you, you need four players for this. Stop playing this together. Like, I wonder if there's something, like, very romantic or at least, like introspective if you're there by yourself or you're there just like with a friend where you just kind of like ramble through a game as you like pull it off the shelf i think maybe somewhere in the middle where you need some kind of like nerdy fellow hanging out who when you're looking at the games they could be like oh yeah like i played that game recently it was pretty good because i find it very overwhelming like oh my that was probably the most stressful part of this date was like picking the game because you don't know if it's going to be good or not. And like, I I just kind of went for the games that looked like they had cool art. But I don't know. I mean, what if I was missing a great game? I, I would have appreciated some random nerdy person poking their head out being like, have you tried this game? And I'd be like, no. 
I'm sorry that the bo- all the board game people sound like that. I hope that they, they don't actually sound like that. <laughs> Janet, what do you think? What's your experience at board game cafes? Um, I haven't really been to one where in the traditional sense, like my local store has like a space where you can like, oh, rent out or sometimes they have like events or something. Again, some some of that's pre-COVID, some of that has sure. reinstated. So I haven't done a board game cafe in that sense. I'd maybe want the option to like have a more guided experience if I, if we decide we wanted it. My entry point to board games was with my um, boyfriend, who's really good at reading through and like distilling the information. Because if it's a really like long rule set, I'm mm. like, look, I'm gonna z-, like he was reading one the other day. We were trying to play like a new game, and he's like, you're not. Are you paying attention to this? And I'm like, I'll be honest, I'm not. But that's that's <laughs> not because I don't care. It's because. I could pretend to pay attention. I'm not going to absorb anything. Like, I need the casual version of the instructions. You know, I need the, like, quick pre-made tutorials, which I think is unique to board games. Where, like, video games, I mean, not every video game has an explicit tutorial, but with a board game, there's not really tutorialization in the board game almost at all. Sometimes there's pictures of the tutorialization. Like, they'll show you, like, here's a scenario or something. Sure. Um, But in that sense, it's kind of, I think, additionally hard to learn versus, like, video games where they, like, bake that in um, and you're, like centered immediately then they know what order challenges come in too in it versus like in a board game something weird could happen then you're like am i allowed to do this i don't know let's check it's a lot of going back and forth um but i've gotten better at figuring that stuff out so like i think he could walk us through it okay i either need someone that's good at that or i need like a professional because for generally for longer manuals i can i have not i've yet to been able to like read and figure those out on my own comfortably and easily yeah i agree (laughs) I'm trying to think of how you could have a tutorial set up for you, like in a video game style. Like I'm thinking about the beginnings of like Civilization or Mm -hmm. Crusader Kings or even, you know, when you were supposed to go down the proper path in Elden Ring. How it's like there's a there's like a thing that's set up for you. It's like we're going to jump right in. Don't worry about the beginnings. We're just learning about the gameplay. And I wonder if like you walked into your game store and like there was a game already in progress. Like imagine you're playing Sorry, right? Like someone's trying to teach you sorry and there's already the pieces on the board and it's like yeah don't worry about how to start and how to get out of there we're just being like hey here's how you play sorry roll the dice and then you move forward and then like you're you get to access it in play i would love like someone is setting up tutorials all in various parts of like a game store to for you to jump into a board game as it's like in the middle of it yeah i do want to say while we're talking about childhood games like sorry Eric, can we just shout out, um, have you ever played Passover Shoots and Ladders? No, I have not played Passover Shoots and Ladders. What is that? <laughs> it's what it sounds like. It is Shoots and Ladders, but it's Passover themed. And I think there was like like a Dianu square and like, I think the, the shoots are matzah. I had it growing up and I just, I wish I still had it because that just feels like an amazing cultural relic keepsake to have. That feels like someone's JCC, like, went under Parker Brothers' nose and, like, made this just because, and they thought it would only distribute, like, in the greater Philadelphia area, and they didn't think anyone would bring it up. That feels like someone is stealing some IP, 100%. Yeah, now that's a cozy game, is Passover Shoots and Ladders. Absolutely. I, you know what that's reminding me of is all of the Monopoly games, like, all the, how it's just the same game over and over again, and it's just, like, you put whatever type 
type of layer on top of it. I don't remember the last time we played Monopoly because Monopoly fucking sucks. Stop playing Monopoly. Everyone stop playing it. Um, there's also like millennial monopoly, but like in the way that like boomers made it for millennials. Like you just rent apartments. Yeah, so it's just like, like rentals and oh, stuff. No. Yeah, it's really don't don't buy it. Go Google it. It's it's really really nasty. I want a little metal avocado toast to move around the board. That's actually the end. Instead of boardwalk, it's avocado toast because you can't buy a house. I had avocado toast for breakfast this morning, and I made it myself, and it was very cost effective. And that's why you're not going to get a house when you grow up, Amanda. I'm so sorry. Damn. It. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure, but like you could say anything, and there's like a 50 50 chance it's in there, right? Like, whatever hacky joke you can think of, it's definitely in Millennial Monopoly. I mean, I, I hope there's not Passover Monopoly because that can get into some bad stereotypes pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay let's go to our final <laughs> section here on games and feelings we're going to go to queries from the internet net 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 i have recovered deep within the bowels of the internet i have went onto the archive of yahoo answers and i have something for both of you to respond to there's a question that we need to go back in time we have to get into the time machine and help xbox 360 dude 15 years ago can both of you help him okay yes should I put on my Bidoof hat? That's such a good hat. Can you please explain for like people listening? What what do we got going on here, Amanda? This isn't good um, podcast content because it's not visual. <laughs> but if you could see me, you would see that I'm wearing a Bidoof hat, which symbolizes that I've gone back in time. Or it could just be because I had it on my desk and I wanted to put it on. Where okay. can I get that? Is that like a pokemon official is that like custom made it was twenty dollars on the pokemon center i was getting it for my friend for their birthday and then i was like i want to get that for myself too so i did i'm already going to google to see if this is still in stock <laughs> what i want to point out about this hat is that it's not like a hat it's just like a badoof like it's just a badoof <laughs> on your head i mean anything is a hat if it's designed for your head it is still there it is twenty dollars you know what? I think I'm doing a Madden It's a Cart. I can't think of anything. Oh, wait, can you not to co-opt Eric's podcast, but Please. can you read some of the reviews of the Badoop hat? Because like the oh reviews my gosh. are so good. Like incredible part of the Okay, how, how about this? I'll pull up the reviews. We'll do the question. And now, now we are just still in the podcast. We'll do the question. And then after the question, I'll read some of the They're reviews. Really good. No, this is great. Now I would know. Read the reviews. Xbox 360 dude from 15 years ago can fucking wait. It's fine. He can still, <laughs> they, they can still wait. Um, okay, so I'm just going to read them top down. Uh, I also love that, and this is like a, I like the UMass Amanda, because those who know, know, the only people shopping on here are grown adults for, for themselves. It's not like, my kid really, like, it's always just like, I'm 47 <laughs> and I love this. Um, uh, Cameron, age 20 to 30, from goof to doof, prior to buying this hat, I was a zero. I wasn't confident in myself. I got fired from my job. Then my girlfriend left me. I was living on the streets. Then Badoof Day arrived. I saw the hat was for sale. I bought it with my remaining money. After it, I now have a better job, a new girlfriend, and we have a house. Thank you, Badoof, for changing my life. Their favorite Pokemon character, Luxray, Badoof, of course, uh, Garbador, and Charizard. Also, I feel like they could write anything there, and I wouldn't fully know if it was a real Pokemon or not. Those are all real, confirmed. Janet, before you move on from this one, I need to know about the five people who disliked this comment and what went wrong in their life for this to have happened. Exactly. This um, is why YouTube got rid of dislikes. Ever since I got this hat, I have ascended past the mortal realm and become a true gamer. Uh, five, five Pikachu heads, actually. They're not stars um, for some reason. <laughs> 
Um, I'm just jumping ahead to like some of the deeper cuts. Uh, oh, Cecilia, again, 20 to 30. Why not join the holy worship of Bidoof? We've got, and they use like a little emote for the bullet points too. Very well done. A comfy hat for your head. Uh, the eternal love of our Lord and Savior. HMs for days. The comfort of knowing Bidoof won't smite you. A better God than Arceus. Spoilers for Pokemon Arceus. Ascension into a higher plane of existence. A lot of people are talking about this higher plane. I don't know if that's Bidoof specific. Or what? And then the last one, the last one I'll read, Ashley M, 31 to 40, says, beautiful. He is lovely, soft, a beautiful quality, although it is tight fit if you have a larger head. That's good to know because actually my (laughs) head is huge. So It fits my head pretty well, but my friend who I also gifted this to, it did not fit their head very well. What's also sad is that um, I got them the Bidoof hat and a Cramorant because they love Cramorant, but they already had a Cramorant. So I got them a Cramorant they already had and a Bidoof hat that didn't fit. You know, I, this is a write-off because I'll probably use it on my stream. So this is a work expense as far as the government knows. So there you go. This is perfect. We're watching content being made right now. This is huge for us, Janet. This is our first exclusive. This is how it happens. Yeah. Like new channel point redemption. Are you kidding? Like this is going to like trump everything else that I have. Like I can't afford not to buy this at this point. How many subs do I need to make this up? Ten? Once you take out the the Twitch cut? (laughs) We can do that. We can do that pretty easily, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to pose if you could uh, name it Games and Feelings, your Bidoof hat. Uh, But it's just up to you if what your name, I don't want to go come between you and your your new Bidoof and tell you what your nickname should be. It'll be like the the origin story and the plug for this. Like, find out how I, this this show cost me $20. I don't know. We'll angle it somewhere. That's very funny. I went all the way as far to the end as I could about the reviews. Honestly, this is a two, this is a new game that we're going to do for queries from the internet, so this is perfect. I just want to shout out Kyle M. Uh, the title of their review is Bidoofery. <laughs> the review is Bidoof, period. And under favorite Pokemon character, they said, too many to choose from with two exclamation points. And Kyle... <laughs> I'm sorry you only have three likes. I'm going to give you a like right now, so now you have four. The very last like Pokemon Center comment I want to make uh, on this episode, hopefully, because this is taking too much time, <laughs> is I'm like going to check out, right? It's $19.99 for this hat. I think it's a pretty fair, fair price, I think, for this hat. But then here's the kicker, and this I just feel like is evil, because I'm sure they have a lot of stuff for $19.99 on this website. To qualify for free shipping, add $0.01, aka one cent, more to your cart. And now I have to play the game. How much is shipping? Can I get an item that is equal to that amount of... Oh, I did the same thing when I bought mine. And then I just texted my friend who lives a block from me and also likes Pokemon and was like, hey, do you want anything from the Pokemon Center? And then she bought some socks. So it all worked out in the end. Okay, that's the hack. So I'm going to the Pokemon Center. Do you want anything? I'm looking and it's, I think you can buy a greeting card, but I think the, the, the cheapest thing is $10 still. So that doesn't help you. What's a greeting card $10? It's a really fancy greeting. Janet, I'm not the Pokemon Center. <laughs> I can't tell you that. Do, doesn't Game Freak have enough? You know, haven't they taken enough from me? <laughs> Do you have a shroomish plushie? Because I did get a promotional email from the Pokemon Center yesterday about like spring Pokemon plushies. And that's the thing with the Pokemon Center. Like they have so much merch and so much of it is cool. And I have a couple things from the Pokemon Center to the point where like I don't really show up to this website ever because like you're gonna see stuff you want 
Like they constantly have new like SKUs coming in. Like they have the promoting a freaking uh, mint green alchemy. Like oh my god, it's so specific. Yes, I want it. It's like such a the alchemy is such like a, a weird, unsettling, cute dollop of whipped cream to look at too. Like I hate it, but I kind of love it. You know, like I want it anyway. But these are TBD on how I get the free shipping because I'm not paying for shipping. <laughs> this is the per- I mean like. They want you to splurge and want you to get Pikachu kitchen ceramic salt and pepper shaker set. That's what they want. God, now I want that. What would your betrothed do if you bought those? We would use it and we would love it. That's what we would do. Then I I mean, well, maybe Janet has to order it. Like, I don't know if you live in the same place. But (laughs) I have to ship over to that and then we're we're back to the (sighs) same problem. It's fucked up. We'll figure something out. There's got to be a solution here. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know what this website was. I totally agree with you, Janet. I just kept seeing screenshots on Twitter of these little adorable P- Pokemon uh, stuffed animals. And I'm like, I need to figure out what this is. No one would link to anything in there. It took me like six months to find this website and actually start buying this stuff. I'm going to do this really quickly because I'm very happy that we went on this romp for, with this Badoof hat. Thank you yeah. so much, um, uh, Amanda. And I hope that your life is richer now, Janet. Um, this is quickly from X. Xbox 360 dude is using a money cheat code on Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion cheating because all you're doing is getting money. Is that is that cheating? It is, but like that doesn't matter because it's not like it's, you know, competitive in nature for what you're using it for. So like, yes, you're cheating, but like that's fine. And the, now the one caveat I put is it depends on the kind of cheat it is. I think if it's a cheat that exists within the game proper, like you didn't have to like, you know, do a workaround, then that's not cheating because it's built in stuff. Like I think the Konami code or finding like funky stuff like that, that's not cheating, that's built into the game. Now, if it's something like taking advantage of an exploit, I don't think that's cheating. That's just like gaming the system. Um, but also again, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're having fun and you're not like messing with other players in some way or like, being disingenuous yeah go enjoy your fake money that you maybe bought with real money i'm not sure how the sheet works but yeah live it up i would totally if i could drop 50 dollars and like get all these different like things in animal crossing or quality of life, i totally would have already i would absolutely would have it would be no question so live your life live your best life 15 years ago absolutely this was like 2007 so i don't think this this was uh pay to win yet i wonder if there is like a cheat code that was built into this that you could do it in i don't know like a cheat code mode you could put stuff into it like in the sims i mean i think you could go as far as arguing like is it cheating in animal crossing to just kind of island hop to random islands from a random discord that you're in Mm-hmm. and catalog all of the items like did you ever go to any cataloging parties in animal crossing yeah where people would get like tons of items and like super rare items and they would just drop the little like the item and then you would go to their island and you would pick it up and drop it mm. and then it catalogs that you have had the item and then you can order it from your own little nook thing whatever it's called it's like that's kind of cheating so it's like yeah maybe you want to wait until these items organically appear in your store but also who cares it's fun i think if you're not hurting anybody as janet said just like live your best life but then again i'm also torn about like i think god mode on hades is a great feature that makes the game more accessible to people but also like come on like you can do it like you have to suffer but also do you have to suffer am i am i being gaslight gatekeep girl boss about about hades fair 
That's fair. I, I want to say that the four people who responded to Xbox 360, dude, this is not going to surprise you. They all said it was cheating and they, that he should get good and actually play Elder Scrolls <laughs> as it was. See, that's how I feel about people using God Mode on Hades, even though I do acknowledge actually it is a great feature and a really great way to make games accessible. But also, come on, get good. Well, Xbox 360, dude, if you're listening 15 years later, do whatever you want. Have fun with it. It's fine. Finally, he can play the game. It's like I've been waiting for so long. And if your internet works 15 years ago, you should go on to Pokemon Center and buy this Bidoof hat. It's really great. Lots of people like it. Yeah, and then people in 2007 would be like, what's Bidoof? The thing, one last thing about Bidoof. I the thing that I like about it. That he's just a beaver. Yes, I was thinking it too. <laughs> he's just the thing about Bidoof means that people in Pokemon acknowledge the existence of Pokemon memes and like go on Tumblr and find that shit. And like I like that for as a business strategy, like using memes to dictate that people actually like the thing. Because like yeah, Bidoof's just a fucking beaver. Who cares? But and it's enough to end up in memes, and that's why we're gonna put him in new Pokemon Snap. And I appreciate that. Uh, the folks in Game Freak have their ear to the ground. Yeah, they had Bidoof Week in Pokemon Go, where in the PvP on Pokemon Go, they had a version where you could only use Bidoofs. So you were just <laughs> fighting a team of Bidoofs against a team of Bidoofs. But then there were special Bidoof that you could only get at certain point that had different charged moves. So you had like a Bidoof that knows Shadow Ball, and then a Bidoof that knows like Thunderbolt. I am a shiny Bidoof in Pokemon Go. Humble brag. Incredible. All right. I think that we've reached the end of Games and Feelings here. I think we've dispensed plenty of advice. And if you're listening, I'm sure Bidoof doesn't, the word Bidoof doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Amanda, Janet, please plug yourself. Where can people find you, uh, whether or not you're wearing a Bidoof hat? Um, you can find me across the internet under the handle GameOnysis. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch. Uh, YouTube, just pretty much everywhere. So uh, check it out. You know, I do a bunch of stuff on the internet with kind of funny MinMax, uh, now Lost in Cult as well. But I also have my own website, Pen to Pixels. That's why I post like my reviews and my written content. So yeah, uh, check out all those places. You can find me on Twitter at AsilpWrites, on TechCrunch.com, where I write about digital culture. Sometimes that includes video games. And I would love it if you checked out my podcast, Wow If True. It is a deep dive into weird internet culture things hosted by me, a tech journalist, and Isabel, a terminally online attorney. And Eric's been on a couple episodes, so if you like him here, maybe you'll like him there. Wonderful. You can follow me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. My name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler, and you can follow the show at Games and Feelings. That's with an N instead of and. It's like linens and things or Toys R Us, but with an N. The best place to submit questions is to go to our website, gamesandfeelings.com slash questions, and you can support the show so that I can buy my own Bidoof hat at patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings. Those links are in the episode description. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to real writers and covers of games and tech. Janet and Amanda, thank you so much for giving your advice. And remember, the instruction manual doesn't have anything on feelings. Feelings.